0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. My name is Nick. I want to thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you get a chance during the show, like, download, subscribe, share. It really helps us out. We've got a pretty busy show today, so I want to get right into it. Our big guest is going to be Mr. Lee Roberts. And he is a professional ghost hunter. And he's been doing this, looking for ghosts, and investigating the paranormal for the last 20 years. And it's fascinating to listen to the different stories that he has and what he really believes is the truth. The first thing, though, that I want to talk about, and this has become something where I almost feel like I have to talk about it, you may have seen this picture on the Internet over the last couple of days. It's this picture of a boy named Teddy, and he's at a birthday party. And it's incredibly sad. His face, just the setup of it, all of it is something... That is very emotional and has had an emotional response for a lot of people. I bring this up because I'm involved in this. So my day job, I'm a news anchor and investigative reporter in Arizona. And Teddy's mom sent me this picture originally. And I was the first person who initially posted it. And she sent me this picture and you see this six-year-old little kid at his birthday party, and he just looks so sad. It's such a heartbreaking picture. And if you have kids, you understand this. If you don't, just know that, that every kid is your kid. You immediately see somebody else, and you think of it in terms of, what if that was my child? I have a two-and-a-half-year-old son. And I just couldn't imagine... Like this, the heartbreak, if that had happened to him. So I felt like I, I felt like I could do something. So I shared this picture with the caption, Teddy's mom sent this to me. Nobody was able to make it to his birthday party. Send him some birthday wishes. And I hate using this phrase. It annoys me. But this kind of went viral. Not that fake kind of thing where you hear, it's going viral, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, this really went viral. And people from all over the world have commented on this. And I just wanted to talk about it really quick because it's, it's so amazing to me how nice we can be, how really genuinely kind we can be to each other when we want to be. Because the internet can be the internet. We all understand this. But I would say 98, if not 99% of all of the thousands of messages that people have sent have been really nice. They've wanted to send cards, they've wanted to send gifts, they've just wanted to say happy birthday. And to me it's just such a reminder of how nice we can be when we want to be. There have been some people that have questioned the legitimacy of the photo, like I get it, we, we all know what world we live in now where you can fake just about anything. But everything seems to check out. It really does. Like the mom, she sent the invitations. She had some RSVPs. She booked the pizza party. All of these things kind of check out. It's not really clear why nobody showed up. He seems like a great kid. He seems like a normal six-year-old kid. Maybe it was just people got busy. But whether you believe this or whether you don't believe it, at the end of the day, the kid is still sitting there. He's still sitting there by himself at his pizza party. And that to me was just so sad. And that's why I I initially shared the picture. Okay, let's get to our first guest. This is Mr. Lee Roberts, and he is a professional ghost hunter. And he told me some stories that even though I'm listening in Arizona in broad daylight, I started looking around my house, looking at different objects in the house, wondering if they were haunted. How did you become a ghost hunter?
1: It started in in two waves, really. Um, When I was around six years old, I started seeing things um, and experiencing things that I couldn't explain. And at the same time, Ghostbusters was being released. It was around 1982, 1983, so Ghostbusters Ghostbusters were being released at the same time. So that gave me that initial interest. But then when I was 18, uh, so quite a few years later, 12 years later, I decided right I'm just going to grab a camera and um and just go out there on my own and, and just go in some graveyards and and have a bit of a play with it and it grew from there really.
0: I mean were you always kind of a believer so to speak or was there something that really convinced you or how did that play out?
1: When I was 18 and I first started investigating the paranormal. I was a 100% believer. Believed everything was a ghost so was really into it and re- everything that, that was out of the ordinary was a ghost for me and then started looking into it more and the more i investigated the more i realized that i could i can explain these things you know there are nine times out of ten i can explain activity that's happening through a scientific reason Um, as simple as maybe a window open or a draft under a door or uh, you know a temperature change just a natural temperature change so i started explaining a lot of things and i think through my mid-twenties, I started to doubt that there was actually anything out there. And I really did become a bit of a sceptic, which in a way kind of helped me as, a, as an investigator, as a paranormal investigator, because I then started questioning everything. But then ar- around f- probably about nine years ago, we went to a, a location called Newstead Abbey in Nottinghamshire here in the UK. And it was the, uh, the there was um, uh, a gentleman that used to live there called Lord Byron. He was a famous poet here in England, mm-hmm. and he, he lived there. And it was the anniversary of, it, of his death when we when we went. So I was all excited, thinking if you're going to get any energy, if you're going to get any activity, that's that's when we're going to get it. And we did what's called an, a table tipping exercise. It's a very old-fashioned. English experiment so very much like your old seance so it's not a Ouija board it's not a spirit board it's a table tip and so you put your hands around the table and the table will move and float now I'm not a big fan of it because I always think when there's human contact and people have got the hands on the table um, then you've got that human influence so people could be moving it subconsciously but what happened on this occasion was the table tipped as it would normally it would tip and then it, it would normally drop onto the floor but on this occasion it started to levitate and everybody took their hands off of the table and it shot up into the roof which was probably about 20 feet high smashed on the roof it was only a little wooden table and then just dropped to the floor in pieces and I just stood there in shock for a second. And a few people that was there with me, part of the team, was thinking, you know, they they was looking in shock. And we actually had it on camera. And we looked back at it, and there was nobody that had their hands under the table. There was nobody that could have forced that up. I know for a fact there was no trickery involved because I I was the one that set the experiment up. So, So it's little nuggets like that, little times like that that you think, how did that happen? There must be something there... And from doing hundreds and hundreds of investigations, there is always that kind of 1% of times where something happens that really does secure my belief in the paranormal and something else out there.
0: In those instances, though, where you can't explain it, how do you sort out the difference between, well, maybe this was a ghost, or it was just something, it was an explanation that maybe we haven't figured out
1: yet? So if that just happened just on a whim, as we're walking around, a table shot up into the roof and smashed, then I would say, well, it, it could be something that we can't explain. It could be something else. It could be something from out of this world that, that we haven't, you know, kind of aliens or something. You just don't know. But the fact that we was actually calling out and asking for something to happen and for the table to move and for the table to levitate, we wanted a conscious decision so a conscious decision and and a movement that we was actually asking for not just anything to happen and for that to happen it means for me there's somebody listening there's somebody there that's that's listening to us so again i don't think we will ever have the answer to is it life after death is it somebody there that's passed over or is it something else um, I don't think we'll ever have the answer to
0: that. Something that always jumps out to me is the idea that, you know, they, they always seem to be found in scary places and doing things, you know, like smashing a table. Yeah. yeah. Why, why do they always have to be mean?
1: The way I always explain to it is, so the first part of that question was, why is it always in kind of dark, damp, horrible, haunted places? Yeah. I don't always think that's the case. Imagine you you all of a sudden become invisible and you walk into work, and nobody can see you at all, nobody can hear you, nobody can see you, but they're asking out for you to do something, and you just can't get through to them. You're trying everything to get through to them, and you need to build that energy up and build it up and build it up to do a simple thing like move a glass across a table or move a planchette out on a Ouija board or touch somebody or pull somebody's hair. By the time you've done that and built that energy up and you've done that bit of activity – it looks as though it's quite an angry activity and an angry um, response to what you're saying. But what they're really doing is just doing absolutely anything they can do to get your response, to get your acknowledgement that they're there. And then you'll find, once you've had that initial response and you acknowledge them, that that activity will probably die away a little bit, unless it is a menigrant kind of Angry spirit. Then, they, then they would carry on, and that's when we go on an investigation. We would first ask them how, what what's been happening, how long has it been going on, and have you acknowledged them? So the first thing I would say is, have you spoke to this, these spirits? Have you? I know it sounds silly, but have you said, "Yeah, we know you're here. Thanks, thanks for doing that." Because if you do that, it would nine times out of ten it would stop doing what it was doing, and it would either disappear. Um, or it, or it would carry on.
0: I mean, that does make sense. Like if I spent hundreds yeah. of years trying to get someone's attention, I would probably get pretty frustrated.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and it would do absolutely anything to to get that attention. Most of the time, it's, it's saying hello or it's saying a name. It's not actually saying, it's not actually swearing at you or being angry towards you. But a lot of people, because they're afraid of it and because of obviously Hollywood and films have have made the afterlife into this horrible, nasty realm... That people naturally always think it's something nasty there, and I, and I don't always think it is.
0: When you guys do that's it, right. when you when you do one of your investigations, how do you guys go about this? Do you is it would would a biologist or somebody or any kind of other scientist come in and say like, yeah, that's that's a if you're going to look at this, that's a legitimate way to try to figure this out.
1: What, what we looked at is we we try and and work as controlled as possible. So the first thing is is to make sure that the location is is nice and quiet. We go around and do what's called a baseline test. So we make sure we've got all the temperatures of the, the rooms. We've got all the readings of every room on the on the K2 meters, so picking up on all the electric electromagnetic frequencies. Uh, so we do that all beforehand, before we do anything, whether we go going live, whether we're filming a show, whether we're doing a private investigation, and make sure we know what every room's readings are and make sure it's as quiet as possible so you don't get any outside noise pollution or light pollution and if we do get that we get a reading of it so we know it's all the same where the shadows are coming from uh but we we don't kind of look at it from my point of view i don't look at it as as serious as what a parapsychologist would look at it so a parapsychologist would look very much into the science so everything would be explained they would look at the psychology into it the brain and what the brain's doing why you're there what you're seeing what you're hearing and, and just calling out and we, we have a laugh with it as well. Not, not, not many people go into a ghost or into, no. into a do- dungeon somewhere and start cracking jokes. And, and I think that's why we get quite good success because I, I, I think if, if we walked into a room of strangers and, I'm, and, I, and you start cracking jokes and having a laugh, you would be more approachable. When people would come and talk to you and have a laugh, they'd feel, find you more approachable. Whereas if you went in there really cage, really reserved, people would be the same towards you as well. Yeah, and you true. wouldn't get that response. Um, so I think that's why we, we we you know we've had some really good success in in what we do, and I think that's the reason why because we go in there and have a laugh. And we was
0: there any experiences like what are some of the ones? I mean, obviously Halloween's coming up. What are some of the experiences you've had that have been the most memorable to you?
1: I look after a location called the Village in Mansfield, and it's been in the press quite a lot recently here in the UK. Um, and I always say, I mean, I've, I've been investigating the paranormal for 24 years, and I always say to people. To actually see a full-blown apparition, like me looking at someone five feet away from me, full apparition, so you can't tell whether they're living or dead, is like the holy grail of ghost hunting. That's what people want to see. But it never, ever happens. It's the holy grail. Nobody ever sees that. Nobody ever reports it. You always see camera shots and CCTV cameras of chairs moving on their own or a till opening up or or something, a shadowy figure. Well, to get that full-blown apparition is... Is unheard of, but well, the village in Mansfield, since November 2015, we've had 12 full apparitions cited, which from 12 different people, 12 different teams that was investigating since November 2015. But what's good about it, it all they all report the same figure. So I never, I never give out what people have seen. I always put it in this little black book, and when everyone reports it, I'll make a note of when it was, what time. Um, so. It came to around August 2016, and we'd already had three sightings of this, this figure. And a team came to the village, and they wanted me to do the opening talk and take them a walk around and give them a few stories. And as we were walking around, we walked into this big open plan um, area that used to be a nightclub. And I'm stood telling them the story about how these people have, have heard and seen things in the past. And they decided they are going to stand in a circle and start calling out and start asking for things to happen. And as they're doing that, I just stand offish. I just stand behind them. And I saw somebody stood in the doorway behind this circle of people. And I thought, is that a member of this team? Or is it, you know, is it, a, is it a member of public that's wandered in? So I let them go round. And then I nudged the team leader that was there. I said, oh, are they part of your team? And he said, no, no, I don't think so, they're nothing to do with us. So I shouted over to them and said, oh, do you want to come in and, uh, and get involved? You'll, you'll get a lot better reaction if you get involved rather than stood in the doorway. And they started to, just to move backwards slowly, re- just slowly, slowly move backwards, still facing towards where I was. So I walked around the circle and got to the doorway and the team leader came with me and we looked at this figure and by that time it had moved all the way back that it was underneath this green glow of a an emergency exit sign and that was the first time i really saw the full features of this person that was there and it struck me that it was the same description that had been given to me three times previous in that same area and i turned to the team leader and i said are you seeing this and he said yeah yeah but at that point he wouldn't have known this description he just thought it was just this random person stood there he said yeah yeah of course i can see them and we turned back to the to the person and they just disappeared from the feet upwards and even now when i'm telling the story i question myself and i think now did did they do that or did they just move off to the left-hand side and, and go into the room or what what happened surely they can't i question myself surely they couldn't have just disappeared but they did they just disappeared from the field words. i turned round to the team leader again he started swearing because he was he was looking at the same thing he stopped swearing and saying what the f is going off and, and and started running down to the other side of this room now there was another 10 12 people stood in the circle that was all looking down the same way as i was they all starburst and started running and screaming. And you can imagine, it's a dark, big, open-planned space. Everyone was running everywhere. And I had to calm everybody down to start with and then take us all the way back up to the briefing room. And by that time, because it was an organised ghost dump and these people were quite inexperienced, by the time we'd done all that, the energy had gone and the, this this spirit person, if that's what it was, had disappeared. And we, we, I'd searched that whole place... There was nobody in there. We looked at CCTV cameras. There was nobody stood there at all. Even when we was looking at them, and you saw us on the CCTV camera, walk up to the doorway and look, there was nobody there. But yet, myself, this team leader, and 12 other people saw this figure. And to this day, we still cannot explain who this person was. But, like I said, this, this figure's been reported 12 times since November 2015. And I can't, for the life of me, explain... Who that was, and that—that's probably the best experience I've had as an investigator. Not—not not just for the activity, but because it was a full-blown apparition. I couldn't—if I wouldn't have known that description, I would have thought it was just a trespasser.
0: It's twelve thirty in broad daylight in Arizona, and I'm kind of scared just listening to that story. <laughs> why why you're—why you were telling that? I started kind of looking around behind me. <laughs>
1: It's it, it a good one, and the beauty of it is, I don't even have to. I don't even have to make the story scary. I can just tell the story.
0: Have you ever gone to a place and been been there for a little bit and been like, "Oh wow, we we should get out of here"?
1: There was a place um, back in two thousand and eight. There was a place called Clifton Hall in Nottinghamshire, um, and it was um, a family that lived there—an Asian family—and they was they was planning on renovating the property it was a 3.5 million pound mansion so it was it was a, a, a big old place and they pulled me in because their cleaner and a couple of their nannies and, and bits and bobs that was in there had seen this dark figure wandering around so we went and spent the night in there in fact we spent three nights in there and i always explain it as, as like the twilight zone um Things like you would walk out of one room, walk down the corridor, open the door, and you would find yourself in the original room you was in before. And it's a long straight corridor. Yeah, and it was just a mind bend. It was, it just messed with your head. Um, but at one point during them three nights, I think it was halfway through the second night, it's the first time I've radioed the team, got them all in one area, turned the lights on and said, right, we need to make a decision here. What, are we staying? Are we completing this? Or are we getting the hell out of here? Because it was just playing with our minds.
0: Why do you think it is about us that we like to be scared like that?
1: It is the thrill of the unknown. So that is what people are scared of more than anything. Yeah, if if I said to somebody, right, we are going to do an experiment, we're going to sit down and do a Ouija board, and we are going to contact this dead person, 100% this person's going to come through. Yes, they'll be scared. uh, Once it happens, they'll probably go, oh, yeah, that was was all right. But then if you take them on a journey and you're constantly taking them on a journey and you're constantly throwing them into the unknown, then that thrill seeker in everybody comes out. And and I don't know what it is. I I think it's just the adrenaline that that runs through people. Like like my wife, she comes with us on Ghost hunts. And she will walk around anywhere in the dark, not a problem. She, she doesn't get scared on ghost hunts at all. Braver than me. But if I sit down and put a horror movie on, then she just she she she
0: she's terrified.
1: Yes, she's absolutely terrified. She won't she won't watch one at all. She'll sit there with a cushion over her, or she'll walk out the room and go, "No, you can watch it on your own." <laughs> but if I put her in a haunted house. Oh, yeah, there's nothing there. She's fine. She's walk around. And you think, how can that happen?
0: You know, I I I think it goes back to what you were talking about. Is like she knows what to expect when she's going on these ghost hunts. She doesn't know what's going to happen in the movie. It's that unknown that is too scary.
1: True. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, and uh, and because she is quite a, quite a big skeptic, um, she always questions everything. And I think she always almost conditions herself when she goes into a ghost hunt of everything can be explained. you know. So, so I'm not scared because everything can be explained. But when she's watching these ghost movies, she don't know what's coming next.
0: What about, like, is there something about different buildings or something that seems to attract them? Or is there something, can you walk down the street and be like, there's going to be a ghost in that place?
1: A lot of the time, I always say, if, if there is such things as ghosts and spirits, if there are such things as hauntings, then they're going to be everywhere. Um, so... A lot of people say, would you go go and investigate a a graveyard, for instance? Would you be scared in a graveyard? I think the graveyards are probably the least scariest place in the world because if I was a ghost and I wanted to come and haunt someone, the last place I would go would be a graveyard. So a lot of people would think that places like old, damp, derelict buildings and graveyards are going to be the most active, and they couldn't be far from the truth. I don't claim to kind of talk to spirits or anything like. That. I'm, I'm very scientific minded, but I can walk into a place and I can kind of go, "Yeah, I, I know this. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good night." I can just get that feel about it. That kind of single up the back of your neck. You get the hair standing
0: up on your arms. And you think, "Oh, yeah, this is this is going to be good." I'm just looking around my house right now. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this conversation. <laughs> I'm looking around, looking through the curtains, just like, oh my God. Um, yeah. would, you, would you want to be a ghost? Uh, I, I think it'd
1: be, I think going back to the other point we made earlier, other than the frustration of maybe not being able to connect, if I really wanted to connect with someone and not being able to, other than that frustration, I think it would be quite cool just to be able to revisit and watch and just to see how people are reacting.
0: I agree with you. I do think it would be really fun to be a ghost. Do you... This is kind of a random question, but do you feel, here in, here in the States, we tend to give more credibility to people overseas. Do you feel like you have more credibility simply because you're British? <laughs> um,
1: uh, you see, that's, that's a funny question because... I think we do that in reverse I think we kind of give you guys um kind of a lot of credibility because if you if you look at the, the shows that are over here everybody just calls fake on them all where we look at you guys over in the states a lot because it's more scientific based a lot of the time um, rather than what what we've done in in England um, and in, and in the UK a lot we we tend to go and um, yeah the the Americans in the in the US, they they they've got it right. That's how we should be doing it. The Americans, without being disrespectful, they they absolutely love the paranormal. Um, you know, nine times out of ten, if I speak to someone in the states, they love the paranormal. Everybody's got a, par- a ghost story. Everybody's got a ghost story, whether they believe or not. They've got a ghost story. Whereas here over in England, if I, if I go and sit down in a restaurant and talk to people, you will just get grumbles and.
0: It's it's become a weird thing here in the United States that whenever they have like a commercial and they want you to believe someone, they put in somebody with a British accent, and suddenly all of us are like, "Oh, I should buy that product. He's British. That's yeah. probably right." That's, um, right. That's, that's why. That's why fifty percent of the actors
1: in Walking Dead are British. That's why you've got James Corden over there, <laughs> just just to be. Just to be believable, I, mean, I know that's, that's what we're there for.
0: like Game of Game of Thrones. I fully believe that's in right. Game of Thrones, and they're yeah. all British. Uh,
1: but my brother-in-law's got a really thick Derbyshire accent, so he, he gets called um, the King of the North quite a lot because his <laughs> accent is very much John Snow. That's probably why we're just, we're just invading.
0: You're taking back over. You're
1: coming back. That's right. Yeah, we're coming back.
0: <laughs> Do you think a lot more people believe in this than you would necessarily think? Like when you have private conversations with people, yeah. they might not admit De- it, but they they think they believe in something.
1: Definitely so. Definitely so. Um, and and I, and I picked up on it on the, on the last question there. Um, here in the UK, it's very much a taboo subject where not many people like to admit. Or I can go into a restaurant and talk to twenty people, and I'll get grunts. But if I stay there for half an hour. I can guarantee that everybody's telling me that they ghost stories. Even though beforehand they said they didn't believe, and they did. There's no such thing. They'll go, "Oh yeah, but there was this one time." When I speak to anybody in the states, they're very passionate and enthusiastic and open about the paranormal. So they'll be very much, "Oh yeah, yeah, the paranormal ghosts. Yeah, of course there is." You know, we put, we put signs outside the house when it's for sale. That this house property is not not haunted. Well, if somebody did this in England, there would be. Be sent off to the crazy farm everybody's got a story everybody's got a ghost story whether they believe it or
0: not what, what kind of stuff do you have coming up what should people know uh, so we have got um, a live
1: um, Facebook live in fact a Facebook live ghost on Halloween night here in the UK so it's going to run through the evening um, we're going to be at the village in fact where I've just been explaining where I saw this full apparition we have got lots of public events coming up here in the UK uh, with Haunted Events UK, which is our events company. We're doing lots of lots of public events so people can come along and join us. And then um, TV show-wise, I can't say too much about it, but there is a little show in the United States that we are talking about at the minute to come on, on quite a big network over there. But I can't say too much. But hopefully, once that's announced. I will come back to you and we can, we can yeah, chat a lot man. more about it. That sounds but cool. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we'll be, we'll be on your little television boxes very, very soon.
0: I guess my, my last thing would be, what would you say to somebody that just absolutely, I don't believe this, I, I don't believe it, I don't believe it, you're not going to convince me. What would you say to that person?
1: Go into a ghost hunt with an open mind. Get rid of any preconceived ideas of what a ghost hunt would be, whether you believe or whether you strongly disagree. And just go into it with an open mind and see what what you pick up on. And if you come away from that with a different experience, then that, that that's brilliant, excellent. But there is fun to be had, even if you don't believe, through the science of the paranormal. So looking at temperature changes, looking at why the temperature changes when you're on a ghost hunt, looking at the electromagnetic frequencies why does that spike when it shouldn't be spiking um, so look at the science into that as well and you might find that you actually enjoy walking around in the dark in, in dark places um, one of our very quickly one of our locations is Woolerton Hall which was Wayne Manor in the Dark night Rises really so so yeah so so I can walk around there in the dark I've got full access to there all night long and I can take members of public along to walk round Wayne Manor in the middle of the night looking for ghosts. Now, what other profession can you say you get access to that location during during the night not <laughs> not very many not so you've too got many yeah. coming on ghost hunt that are just batman fans They're not yeah batman <laughs> just... they just come full, fully dressed as batman or Joker or do they really they show
0: up just dressed <laughs> yeah. as batman
1: yeah that, and it's a true story yeah they do they just come dressed up as batman show me the cave. show me the, the bat cave uh not realizing that the bat is not actually real
0: i want to thank lee roberts for joining us I thought those were some really cool stories about how those ghost hunts really work. If you want to connect with him so that you can watch that Facebook Live that he was talking about, we have linked to him on all of our profoundly pointless social media accounts. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Okay, so now we're going to call John Schull, who hasn't been on the show in a couple of weeks because of a very happy life event that I'm going to go ahead and let him tell you about. My concern about this is I feel like he's probably changed. Or he at least should have changed And should have developed some level of maturity Early signs are pointing to no But we're going to see what happens when we call him
2: Hello Nicholas
0: I, Are you more mature right now?
2: <laughs> I am a dad now So I you'll have to forgive me if our conversations are are on a little bit more of the mature side, yes
0: I for some reason knew I was like I know he's going to try to be more mature right now.
2: I, I'm sorry, I don't know what you speak of.
0: Do you feel different?
2: Uh, I feel a lot more tired. I can tell you that.
0: But have you just basically let's get to the just get to the point where you've already screwed stuff up?
2: Uh, well, she's still breathing, uh, and it's been more than a week. And uh, I've changed more dirty diapers than I than I care to uh, to admit. Uh, and I've gone through more throw-up shirts already, or more shirts with uh, spit-up on them. Uh, so I, I would say, all in all, it's it's uh, it's been a successful first uh, week of her life.
0: Have you, no way, are you changing your shirt, or you have to have change her shirt?
2: Uh, more so, like, I have to change my shirt, because babies have this inept ability, I'm learning, that, like, they can mess everything up for everybody else, but yet they're fine.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what they do. I don't think you've hit the stage yet, which is what I hit, where if there's not visible shit on my shirt, I basically didn't care and just continued on.
2: I kind of get what you're saying. Right now, though, it's more like, more or less, she spits up on me, it dries, and then when I wake up in the morning, it looks like, you know, I just have dried milk all over my shirt, which, if you don't tell your wife that, you know, the baby spit up on you all night, and she wakes up, she could assume other things. But, you know, that, that might have been before we had the baby. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know.
0: Wait, you sleep in a shirt? Why do you sleep in a shirt?
2: What, what do you sleep naked? Yeah, I go
0: full naked. Oh, well, that. I, 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 I'm from
2: the North, man. It gets cold at night. So I sleep in a t shirt and, and shorts. Is that weird?
1: What
0: kind of shorts? Are you talking about boxer shorts? Or are you talking like gym shorts? Uh,
2: usually boxer shorts, you know, boxer briefs.
0: I just don't understand it. I mean, why would you sleep with all that stuff on? You can just now
2: have a I've blanket. I've everybody what kind of underwear I wear. That's fantastic.
0: Well, I mean, I think you can take solace in that probably nobody was legitimately wondering. Are you <laughs> Are you still wearing those whitey tighties? No comment. <laughs> I knew it. What did you do at the moment of birth?
2: So it was a, it was a long process. It was a, a three-day induction process. And finally, on the fourth day, when we had the C-section scheduled, we got an aggressive doctor who was like, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna have to perform a C-section on you guys. And they broke my wife's water, and within 12 hours, we had a baby. But, 6 a.m. on Tuesday, they tried an induction technique, basically where they, it's called a Foley bulb, and they basically like blow up this little ball, and they put it against your wife's, uh, the opening of her uterus, because it's supposed to simulate a baby's head like trying to push down and it's supposed to simulate that which will start labor but my wife it was on no pain medication at the time and she had this doctor all the way up there and I seen a level of pain on my wife's face that I've never seen before and I almost passed out like I had to leave the room like I was wobbly and I, I told the doctor and my wife I'm like I'm, I'm gonna pass out so, so wait. instead of,
0: your wife is in pain and you passed out.
2: Yes. Like probably the most pain she's ever been in. And and technically, I didn't pass out, by the way. But you I were no to-
0: But you were nowhere there for her in any way.
2: Uh no, I not at all. Actually, it's really embarrassing when the nurse, the doctor, and your wife all stop this procedure to make sure you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> any man any man that you know listen I, I'm not taking anything away from the woman but like there's something to be said for like her husband or her support partner like, like, I mean I spent a week in the hospital sleeping on cardboard like I mean you know I, I deserve some love too so if all I did was like almost pass out once I'll take it
0: Um, do you believe in ghosts? so much <laughs>
2: So he go from the birth of my child to if I believe in ghosts. Um, I, d- I don't believe in ghosts, and here here's my reasoning on that. Has and it's kind of like the dinosaur thing. Has nothing to do with religion. Has nothing to do with that or any any kind of spiritualness. I've been alive for 31 years. I have not seen a peep of a fucking ghost.
0: Have you been looking for ghosts though?
2: God, you sound like my mother. No. I don't purposely like sit in a dark room asking for the supernatural to come.
0: So you've had and this... if I
2: did, nothing would probably come anyways.
0: You've had this argument with your parents.
2: My mother is a very staunch believer in the supernatural. Like to where she'll get so upset like she'll walk out of the room and call me an idiot, even though she believes ghosts are real. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts?
0: I I am of the belief that people can convince themselves of anything, whether they're convincing themselves that there are ghosts or convincing themselves that there are not. I think the mind is a powerful thing. I mean,
2: but I also think reality comes into play. Like I can believe that I'm a hundred pounds until I look in the mirror and see my triple chin.
0: We had a ghost hunter on earlier. <laughs>
2: I figured as much. I knew. I knew it.
0: Um, he wasn't, but no, like he was legit. And one of the first things that he said was basically, I don't believe in nine out of the ten times that somebody tells me that there's been a ghost. It's only the one, one or two, three, four or five times that he said, like, I've seen something that there is just no explanation for. He's British. No. He's British, which automatically means he's credible.
2: (laughs) No, he's British, which means you automatically can't trust him.
0: No, you trust the British.
2: Here's my thing about ghosts is it, it was proven back in the, you know, 1718 18, even the early 1900s that the church, the churches used spiritualism to scare people into believing in a higher power, right? With like exorcisms and uh, like the Salem witch trials, things like that.
0: I feel like I should ask you some questions if this is actually true, but I'm not going to just go on.
2: <laughs> I, I assume it's true. I mean... I, I know I know for a fact, because I've, I've done a little research of, of very minimal on exorcisms, because I'm fascinated. There's been tons of movies out. Yes, I'm using Hollywood as an example. That, like, people have been, I, I don't know, uh, like a demon is in them, right? Yeah. And then they get exorcised or they kill their family. However, I don't believe, I, I don't believe that. I've never once ever seen a ghost. I mean, yes, like... I might be walking down a hallway, like, late at night, and I, and I go, hmm, I feel like someone's staring at me. But then it's, like, it's all in my mind, right? Like, I just start thinking it, and then my mind goes fucking crazy. But that's completely different than they're actually being, than, like, me believing in ghosts. Have you ever had an experience, which I think everyone has had one of these in their life, where someone comes up to you and says something or does something, and you look at them, and you look away, or blah, 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 and they're gone. But, like, they leave a lasting impression of that moment on you, and then you never see them ever again. Have you ever had one of those experiences?
0: No. Oh, all right then. Well, I, I feel like you've probably then seen a ghost.
2: But, see, I don't think they're a ghost. I, 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 You know, I think it's just that moment. I mean, you know what I mean? Like,
0: What did they say to you?
2: This was quite a while ago, and it wasn't anything crazy or anything. I just, uh, I, I, I even forget what I was doing, but it was a cold winter night. I was at Target, and I, I like I went to go, like, I don't know, my head was down. I was looking at my phone, and I went to go cross, like, their little road there to get, like, to the store. Yeah. Um, and I looked down, and, like, this person had put out their arm to, like, stop me from walking. And if I would have walked, I would have got hit by a car. And I said, thank you. And I looked to the left. And I walked a little bit, and, like, I saw them going the other direction, like, away from the store. And then I looked back, and, like, they were gone.
0: That's like a ghost. in a matter of 10 seconds. That's a ghost. It wasn't a ghost. They
2: probably got into a nearby car and, you know, we
0: started it or something. 100% chance that's a ghost. Uh, let's move on to our top fives or tens or whatever we're doing because no one seems to have been able to figure <laughs> no this direction.
2: out. You know, but before we get to those, I want to know, did you miss me the last two weeks? Of course. All right, good. Because, you know, I saw some social media postings, and I saw some things. I almost thought, like, you were going to move on without me. And I got kind of excited, but then I also got kind of sad.
0: Oh, people were gunning for the job that we don't get paid for.
2: They couldn't do it. They, they, they couldn't walk a day in our shoes.
0: Well, I mean, some of them filled in pretty easily.
2: No, 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 they didn't. No,
0: I mean, didn't. honestly, most of the people that I did have fill in. In honesty, it was a lot easier dealing with them. Like, I called them and they said yes, and then we set up a time and then we just did it. I didn't have to text them back and forth 40 times to get them to commit to a date. Okay, so our top five, Top, what is it, you, this is the one that you wanted to do, so you go ahead and take this one over. Well,
2: I mean, I, I figured with the sticking, you know, like the Halloween theme, we could do like the top five Halloween villains or like, you know, scariest boogeymen. For my, for my number five,
1: is this, I went this, with
2: the girl from the
1: ring. Oh, okay.
0: So here's the problem that I have, and let's do this one in order, with five to one being one being the scariest. I cannot okay. watch scary movies at all.
2: So like you don't you you don't you you'll have no idea of most the people I'm talking
0: about. No, because I like to look up the plots of horror movies, and I can watch maybe two seconds establish who the the villain is or the scary person is, but I can't actually watch the movie. For a frame of reference, the movie King Kong was too scary for me.
2: <laughs> like, which King Kong? Please, God, not, like, the the one with Jack Black from a few years ago. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, who's your number five? Dracula. <laughs> like, which Dracula? There's so many.
0: The one from Blade.
2: Like Steven Dorf, like the, that guy.
0: No, the second Blade. How did you know Steven Dorf out the just pulled that out of nowhere?
2: Because I love Blade. I named my 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 first dog after that movie.
0: Did you really? What was the dog's name? Blade. Blade. God, that's a terrible dog name, man.
2: I loved that movie. Those movies. The 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 third movie is arguably my favorite because.
0: Oh Blade my god! It's it. a dog what, shit movie. H in it. They people people who are in that movie have apologized for that movie.
2: I, I don't care. It's it's it has him Ryan Reynolds in it. It's amazing.
0: You just like the Triple H was in it.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: I do like the Blade Techno from the original theme that dun, 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 dun. I can. <laughs> I've I've listened to that in the last week. What's your number four? I'm going
2: a little different here, uh, like the torture, like you know, crazy guy uh scary monster person but uh pinhead from hellraiser
0: i just remember the dvd cover that looked pretty scary i'm not entirely sure what the difference is between the two of these so i'm just going to give you both of them uh jason and freddy oh my god there's i get jason freddy and michael myers all confused
2: i don't have the time to explain them to you because you still probably wouldn't get it anyways
0: Freddy is the guy with the face, right? His face is messed up?
2: Yeah, yeah, and he has the knives for fingers.
0: Jason is the guy with the hockey mask.
2: Yeah, and the machete.
0: But Freddy, then who's Michael Myers? Because he has a mask too, right?
2: He has the white mask with the butcher knife, usually.
0: So he's basically like a knockoff Jason.
2: No, I would say, uh, I'm pretty sure Friday the 13th was made after Halloween.
0: Could they be brothers?
2: No, I, I I don't think so
0: but you don't know I mean
2: I don't really know but having watched all the movies uh, the storylines are completely different and they have different moms and
0: but you don't know about the no, dads could have the actually, same
2: dad well the thing is, holy shit you might have just broke like you know you might have just opened Pandora's box there because you technically don't know who Jason's dad is
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of backstory for horror movie villains. It's never established who their parents are, like if they had friends growing up.
2: My mind is blown right now. I I literally have nothing to say.
0: Maybe that's the reason that they're so busy killing people is because nobody's ever really asked about them.
2: Uh, I did four. Four was Hellraiser. Three are the uh, kids from The Shining, the twins. Do you have any reference of what I'm speaking of?
0: I've seen The Shining. That movie I could watch up. I could, like, just close my eyes during certain parts and I could watch it.
2: I'm not going to lie to you that uh, sometimes in the past I've been walking down a hallway and I I say to myself, if I see kids doing that, I'm just going to punt the living shit out of them.
0: What were they doing?
2: I mean, they don't have to be doing anything. It's just like if I turn a fucking hallway and I see two, like, twin (laughs) girls just standing there staring at me with a blank stare, I'm going to fucking clothesline both of them to hell.
0: Do you know that that scene where they have the uh, blood that flows down the hallway is supposedly a conspiracy theory surrounding that, that's supposedly a confession that the moon landing was faked?
2: I did not know that. That's kind of interesting. That's an interesting take on it.
0: I don't really have any other details besides that. I just remember seeing that on some video, that that scene is apparently Stanley Kubrick admitting that he was the one who directed the fake moon landing videos.
2: Huh. In the hallway, have to do with him directing the directing the
0: a moon landing video. Something that there's a number that's referenced in there, or there's something that's in the scene. I don't I don't really remember.
2: Yeah, I've, not, I've never heard that before. I'm probably going to look that up now. And when I find out that you're full of crap, I'm going to call you out next week.
0: That's fair. Um, I'm just going to go to my number one, which is Jack Nicholson in The Shining.
2: Uh, so that's, that's a, that's a pretty weak number one, but it's, it's fine. So, uh, number two, I have poltergeist.
0: Is that a man or a ghost?
2: It's a ghost. His you ever name? You seen the movie Poltergeist?
0: Wait, but the concept, like he is a poltergeist or his name is poltergeist?
2: No, it's a poltergeist. It's a ghost. That's a, it's called a poltergeist.
0: Well, what's the name of the ghost? A
2: poltergeist.
0: So it's the type of ghost.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a type of ghost. Sure. Oh, okay. And then my number one is Michael Myers.
0: How is that number one? Wait, he's the guy.
2: Uh, because that mask is scary as fuck.
0: What's the scariest movie you've ever seen?
2: I actually have an answer to this uh, The Blair Witch Project.
0: I've heard that's pretty terrifying.
2: Well, I, I forget. I was 10, 11, 12, 13. I don't know. But, like, back then, uh, cinema had, hadn't really done that where, like, it had been commercialized where it was all that handheld you know first person POV type thing and the final scene where she goes into the basement and that guy's just standing in the corner and there's that blood curling scream and the camera just drops like I still get chills just thinking about that scene it was so well done and then the way that they had like masked you know the actors to make you think that like it might have actually been a true story and You know, this was before the internet where you could debunk things pretty quick. It was like, holy shit, like, did I just watch, like, somebody dying? What about you?
0: King Kong. You're such a shithead. I remember my girlfriend at the time. No longer my girlfriend, obviously. She had bought it and wanted to watch it on DVD, and I started watching it and got scared and didn't want to see the rest of it, and she got very, very mad at me about it. Okay, our top five worst sayings I'm going to go first These are in no particular order To be honest with you Which is something that you say all the time I think is the stupidest saying
2: Well, you know, to be honest with you uh, I don't give a shit what you say about it But it it is kind of dumb And I can understand that As soon as somebody says that You immediately think that They're lying to you Which I usually am to you
0: Uh, No particular order I have Only God can judge me oh yeah
2: yeah. Um, like,
0: that's like code uh, no, for I just he's not the only
2: person I can judge you I'm actually looking at you judging your horrible life decisions um,
0: yeah it's, it's not factually accurate all of us can judge you I mean we can't maybe judge you in the end if that's what you believe but all of us can judge you at any time we want to
2: I, I don't know about you but I, I literally just walk around judging people <laughs> alright give me another one
0: life is short
2: of course life's fucking short
0: it's I mean, not short though it's, the long, it's literally the longest thing you will ever do
2: I mean but in the grand scheme of things life is quite short but I, I don't I, I understand I think why you put it on there and yes it's not a reason to say like oh hey life is short I'm gonna do you know heroin right now uh, I have the greatest thing since sliced bread
0: I kinda like that one actually
2: what the fuck makes sliced bread so fucking great?
0: I, it's a big deal
2: I mean, honestly, like, do you think the first news, like, slice the first bread was, like, this is the greatest thing ever. I just
0: sliced some bread. I would love to know what the time frame was in between when bread was invented and when it was first sliced. Like, are we talking minutes? Because I think it should be minutes. What if it was, like, a hundred years before somebody finally figured out to slice the fucking bread?
2: Well, yeah, because they used to say break bread, right? Like, where they would literally break it. What fucking asshole... Was like, oh, well, you know what? I'm not going to break bread. I'm going to slice bread. And, oh, my God, that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. you
0: got to like, figure... I would
2: hope I would hope whoever was in the room at that point took the knife and stabbed him right in the fucking throat.
0: Well, you got to figure that they had to have had knives before they had bread, right? You probably used the knife to make the bread. Why wouldn't you just slice it right then and there?
2: See, I don't know if they had knives before they made bread.
0: I would think that they would. I...
2: Maybe maybe we should do some research Before we just start saying things Wait a I don't minute. know
0: I feel like we can actually figure this out Because we were hunter-gatherers As a society first And we had to kill animals Which means that we had to have something sharp Like an arrowhead or a spear Or some kind of object like that To kill them So we had to have sharp utensils We had the sharpness Before we had the bread We should have been able to slice bread From the very beginning Last place that I looked is an incredibly stupid saying to me.
2: I, it's another one of those sayings, like, we've all been there. I understand the saying. Um, but, like, if it's the last place you looked, why would you have fucking looked there in the first place?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. Of course it's in the last place that you looked. Why would you find something and then continue to look for it? Awesome sauce or maze balls. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> like...
2: What hipster fuck invented those sayings
0: is what I want to know. But I like to say them in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way. Like, I love Awesome Sauce, amaze balls, Cool Beans, Thanks Bro. I love all those. No, they're all...
2: You've never said those to me, and if you did, I would pick you up and throw you over the bar into a play class window.
0: Living my best life is the, one that, the current one that annoys the shit out of me.
2: What life did you live to where now you need to live... The best life.
0: Well, it's somebody... It's basically what you say, like, when all of your life is on fire. Like, I'm just doing the best that I can, but you're really fucking everything up all around you. What is your favorite saying that you use?
2: Um, Just living the dream.
0: I feel like that's basically the same thing as living my best life.
2: (laughs) Anyways, moving on. Um, uh, So I also have totes.
0: Yeah, I kind of like that one, too. (laughs) Like, totes you saying totes
2: say totally like i, I don't I, I i hate that when especially when you're in a professional setting and you ask someone something and they go yeah totes totes it's, i mean say the fucking word I, I i it bothers me my my last one i had was uh, just saying
0: oh yeah yeah I, I feel like you're you're kind of it's passive aggressive like hey i'm just saying your haircut is stupid um my personal favorite saying is that will happen on them bigger jobs. I've never heard that before. You've never I, heard I have no idea what that even means. It's um it's what you say to people when you really don't have anything else to say.
2: That will happen on them bigger jobs? I don't even like do you realize that if you're saying that fast you could make a lot of errors.
0: That'll happen like, on them bigger jobs. <laughs>
2: like you could fuck that up eight ways from Sunday. A lot of different ways.
0: I'm not necessarily doing this as much in my current work capacity as I did before, but there was a lot of times when we would be out doing stories in the field and things like that, and people would come up and talk to you, and you just didn't have a way to answer or to just stop the conversation. So I would just say that'll happen on them bigger jobs and then kind of walk off. Actually, you know what? I,
2: I, I just added another one to my list. You want to know what it is? Yeah. That'll happen on them bigger jobs.
0: Huh. Well, look, when you're trying, see, here's a good way, example of it. When you're trying to come up with a top five list of sayings and you have disagreements, you know, that'll happen on them bigger jobs.
2: There's so many things about that saying that make no sense. Like, I don't even know where to start picking it apart. But you know what? You know what, Nick? And honestly, That'll happen on them bigger jobs. It
0: will. It really will. It absolutely will. When you're working on a big job, you got a big project, there's things that you're not going to expect to happen, and that will happen on them bigger jobs. Okay, let's go ahead and bring this episode of the Profoundly Pointless podcast to a close. I want to thank Lee Roberts for joining us. I want to thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, and share. You want to connect with any of the guests that we've had, all you got to do, look on our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. You can find them very easily through those. Coming up on the next episode, we're either going to talk to a witch, a person who ran a political campaign that basically had absolutely no chance of winning. It's not going to be about politics. It's not going to be about politics. It would just be about the idea of you're running, but you have absolutely no chance. What were you kind of thinking? Story or we're going to go ahead and talk to an independent wrestler. We're going to see which one, of those, which one of those actually works out. We have our website. You can leave us any comments if there's anything you guys want us to talk about or you just want to connect with us, say hi, say fuck off, whatever you want to do. We've also got some really good ideas for a new ending. I think we're going to try to roll those out.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.